What's up, everybody? It's your host, Joe Borelli, coming at you from my studio in Brooklyn, New York. Uh, how's things? As you can hear, I have my voice back finally. It's, it really sucks getting sick in the middle of summer, although it was the weirdest sickness because I didn't really feel Ill, Ill at all. I just couldn't speak. It was the darndest thing. Um, ways to get in touch with the show, let me tell you. You can tweet at the show at Pod. You can tweet at me personally at Joe Borelli on Twitter. You can email the superflightpodcast at gmail.com. You can follow along on Google Play and Stitcher and SoundCloud and iTunes and anywhere you follow podcasts at. You can also find the show on, on uh, the Almighty Bauer Network, radio network, and you can find the show on Dash Satellite Radio on Tuesdays from 6 to 7 and again from 9 to 10. <laughs> That one in the East Coast, that is. Uh, so, what's going on, peeps? I've missed you. Have you missed me? It's crazy off-season. is just like, my God, it will not stop. I mean, I love it. It's fun. As most people would say, this is like the NBA's real season, or some, for some people. I mean, you know, it's all about selling hope, as we all know. Um, but, yeah, speaking of hope, I had a really interesting situation the other day where I hoped I would get out of it alive. I know this sounds really horrible but listen hear me out i like to tell you guys and gals about how i ride this subway to and from new york every day from brooklyn into manhattan where i work and the other day last week my wife and i met up because she also rides the subway a different subway line she rides it to a different part of the city and we met up at trader joe's after work because we're like let's go shopping we need some food let's go to trader joe's we both love trader joe's they have this is not an ad for Trader Joe's, by the way. But hey, Trader Joe's, if you're listening and you want to sponsor the show, psh, hit me up. Um, we love Trader Joe's. They're fun. They, they got lots of stuff. And boy, I don't know if, if any of you have ever been to New York or have gone shopping in a Trader Joe's in New York. But the one we go to, the line literally wraps completely around the store. Now, it goes quick because they have some like 30 some registers going at the same time. But you have to get in line there's very little room to, to move, to maneuver, and you're, everyone's pushing carts around and trying to weasel in and out of the way. Um, just, you know, navigate so that you don't bump into somebody else and and hurt them. Oh, that reminds me of another good story. Um, all right, real quick aside, not the story I was going to tell you, but one time we went to Trader Joe's and we were in line and some dude tries to cut in line. Like, again, the, the line wraps all the way around the store. Like, it goes around the store twice. It's it's snaking through aisles. There's people standing there with these big wooden signs that say, enter line here. And these people with the big wooden signs are moving constantly back, like from one aisle to the next because the lines are so long. So this dude jumps into the end of the line once and somebody caught him on it. And there's guys watching, like there's people from the store watching and making sure that nobody jumps the line because it's an incredibly long line and we all do our part and wait in the line and be patient and, you know, hang out. This guy felt like he was entitled and jumped the line and somebody called him on it and he flipped. He lost his mind and started screaming at him. And the store manager came over and was like, listen, you you need to get out of the line and you need to go back to the The guy takes his cart and flips it over in the middle of the store and there's stuff everywhere. I mean, everyone acted calm. He was like right next to us while he's flipping out. Everybody else was just like, wow, that guy's an ass. Um, but man, the things you see in New York are just bizarre. He just flips his cart over and like flips everybody off and screams and walks out the door. Like guy had serious, serious issues. Uh, I hope I never see him again. Anyway, not the story I was going to tell you. The story I was going to tell you was well, you actually kind of get a twofer, don't you? Uh, 
so my wife and I go Trader Joe's and we're, we're leaving the store. We're, we're walking and we're equidistant between the west side and the east side. She works on the east side, so she takes one train. I work on the west side, so I take another train. I'm like, hey, babe, let's go take the west side train. And she's like, I don't like that train because it's underground and that train sucks. I'm like, it's fine. You only have to take one train. If we go to the east side, we have to transfer and we have to stand on a platform with a whole bunch of people and hope we don't get knocked into the subway line. So... I convinced her that we should go to the west side. So we went to the west side and we got on the train and we're sitting on the train. Train's going. We It's going really slowly too. I'm not sure why, but it's it's taking its good old time. She's complaining about the train sucks, which you know, rightfully so, the train sucks. And we get from Manhattan, finally into Brooklyn after like half an hour, it was taking forever. We were coming along and we get to a turn in the tracks. And you never normally notice turns in the tracks. Because you're going at such a speed that, like, you know, when you're on a bank in a road, you don't realize the road's banked uh, because you're moving, right? It's there to keep you from flying, flying off the road. The same thing with the tracks in, in New York. We're going along. It's just a slight bank. It's a slight incline. Whatever. It's fine. You would never notice it, except the train stops dead in its tracks. Like, everything just shuts down and it rolls to a stop. All the lights go out. The air conditioning turns off. There's like a few emergency lights in either car and any car. And you can look, you know, from one side to the other. And we're sitting there in the middle of a tunnel. No lights, nothing, no announcement on the on the overhead speaker or anything. It's just dead silent. We're all sitting there just kind of really uncomfortably conscious of, wow, this is super creepy all of a sudden. And there's a woman across from us who's like talking to herself, muttering, freaking out, like, come on, come on, what, what's going on? And she's, she's getting really excited and upset and it's fine. Like we're just, we're just chilling out. My wife is, you know, reminding me that we should have taken the other subway line because this one sucks. And all of a sudden, as we're sitting there with no lights, no air conditioning, nobody announcing that the train's fine and it'll be moving in a minute, nothing like that. We hear this giant bang, like an explosion on the subway tracks in front of us and everyone on the car really freaks out not completely freaks out everyone was pretty much like they, they held their calm for the most part but everyone in that car was super tense i literally was thinking oh my god where's the exit i'm going to have to like take a bullet for my wife seriously i thought that we were going to be attacked i thought that this was like this was the end my wife and i talked about it on the way home or on the way after our heart rates were elevated. We were, you know, very excited. And she was thinking, and we were both thinking, and she said to me, I thought this was the end. I thought this was it. I thought this is how we're going to die. We're going to be taken over by some terrorist, and they're going to just come in, or not even a terrorist, but some dude with a gun. Because guns are way too easy to get in this country, especially by insane people. Um, just come in with a gun and start shooting. We're all freaking out. Everybody's standing up, looking at one side and the other, and... It was the most, and I'm in this moment, I'm thinking, oh my God, like nothing has even happened yet. And I can see how people get PTSD from being at war. Like, this is crazy, right? I mean, it's part because we're in such a heightened state lately because of all these terrorist attacks that are happening around the world in, in Paris and in, was it Brussels or somewhere near Brussels, just in Belgium, I think, um, all around the world and crazy things are happening and we hear about it with sensationalized news all the time so like of course the first thing you you do is your mind goes to this crazy place where oh my god we're all gonna die let's not forget that the twin towers were taken down by terrorists um 
it's crazy living in New York sometimes. It's just kind of scary, and I'm a big wuss. But in the same time, I had hope that we would be okay. And I'm like, this is going to be okay. I, you know, don't freak out. I mean, again, nothing happened. I'm just freaking out here. This is, I don't even know if this is a funny story, but it's a story for you. Um, and the train just started moving. All of a sudden, just starts moving. We go. Nobody says a word. The MTA sucks. They don't say a freaking word. Nobody mentions like the train's just delayed because of a car. Is like there's a sick passenger. Nothing. They never make an announcement. We finally pull into the station and there's some dudes there from the MTA, some worker guys with their vests on and their lights and stuff. And I'm like, what the hell, man? You couldn't just make an announcement? You're like, like blowing things up on the tracks with a dead car sitting. Like we, everyone was freaking out. But you know what? MTA... Shame on you. How dare you? If anybody's hearing this, how dare you? How dare you? Anyway, that's my story for the week. I hope you've all enjoyed it. Keep hope. Keep faith that everything will be okay. It has nothing to do with anything, but um, coming right up, one of my favorite new guests, Coach Dave Dufour, is going to come on, and we're going to talk about uh, just a little bit about the uh, the NBA draft. Sorry about the dog barking in the background. It's hot. I have my window open. And we're going to talk about the crazy free agency so far. So, Sit tight, uh, enjoy the podcast, and after these messages, we'll be right back. Today's sponsor of the Superflight Podcast is Draft Daily Fantasy app. If you play Daily Fantasy, you should be playing on Draft because your chances of winning are nearly three times better than they are on FanDuel or DraftKings. I'm not kidding. The data backs it up. Almost 90% of players lose on DraftKings, and on FanDuel, over 40% of the money goes to just 1% of the players. If you're not a pro and you're not spending hours a day on fantasy lineups, Draft gives you the best odds at winning. On Draft Daily Fantasy app, you do a simple snake draft just like at the beginning of your season-long fantasy league. You can do as many drafts as often and whenever you want. They last for just one day and they take only minutes to complete. So download Draft now. Just search Draft in the App Store and be sure to enter the promo code ALMIGHTY100 when you download to get a 100% bonus up to $600 when you deposit. Again, search Draft in the App Store and be sure to enter the promo code ALMIGHTY100. That's A-L-M-I-G-H-T-Y-1-0-0 to get a 100% bonus up to $600 when you deposit. Okay, now back to the show. I'm, I'm good. I'm good. What's new? How's things? Uh, things are good, man. Yeah. How's it? Are you podcasting daily now? Is that what I am. So, I am. so you have plenty to talk about, right? You're up on everything. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I stay up on everything. Also, I should apologize. There's a dog barking. I think the dog hates me. I'm pretty sure it hates me. It just, every yeah. time I try and do a podcast, it just starts barking and I can't, you know, there's nothing. It's somebody else's dog. It's not mine. Um, I can't hear it. So hopefully that means <laughs> no one else can. Yeah. Fair enough. Well, welcome oh. to the uh, Super Flight, as always. As the second time Are you around. recording? Yeah, I mean, I always record. This is the best stuff. <laughs> I know, the running the running start. Yeah. 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 Sorry, I'm like low energy Jeb right now. I'll, I'll, I'll perk up. No, it's fine. It's fine. Who is this Jeb you speak of? I don't Jeb Bush. Oh. Yeah, this joke about Jeb Bush. All right, fair enough. Is he low energy? I don't pay attention to Jeb. No, Trump is Trump just called him that, and I thought I thought it was one of the funniest insults I've ever heard. Oh, that's right. I totally forgot about that. It is a pretty. Was that? It's kind of a pretty good insult, sort of. Yeah, it, I mean, just I don't know. That's like it's like an ultimate insult. 
That guy is so low energy. Yeah, I don't think I don't think anyone's ever accused me of that because I'm super hyper. But you know, I have been accused of being super hyper. So sorry if I talk too much. Hey, let's talk about the NBA. Uh, not a lot to talk about though. No, there's nothing. I know. I was I was worried that we'd have nothing to talk about tonight. Um, I mean, John Calipari might might wind up being the president of the Knicks. So. They're not interested, from what I've heard. That's they're they're. I mean, they're stupid because. Look, I, while I may have some issues with um, his coaching, not his coaching style. I, I like how he is with his players and all that. I just don't think he's great um, as far as developing players or necessarily in-game stuff. But he's a fantastic recruiter. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's that's the opposite of what Phil Jackson is, right? Like Phil Jackson was driving people away with the all the Carmelo stuff and the LeBron posse stuff. And then, you know, like just continuing the the shit show that the Knicks are like that they've been and and pushing uh, Porzingis to skip his exit interview, basically, because it was just such a disaster um, and then threatening to trade him. Ugh. Anyway. Yeah, we'll get into that. <laughs> we'll totally get on into all of this. I don't know, man. I'm like, I can't really speak about Kyle Party because I don't watch college ball. Seriously. No, and and I'm just saying he's a good recruiter. I mean, he recruits. Yeah. He gets a top class almost every year, and, and I think that that's what you need in that position. Well, and that goes to your your point too about developing talent. How can you possibly develop talent if you all your guys are one and done? You know, so I don't know. I guess it's it's it kind of goes hand in hand. You can't be a great developer of talent. I don't know about coaching, but you can't be a great developer of talent if all your guys come in for one year. You get the best guys, which is great, but they also you're grooming them just for the NBA. Um, exactly. Yeah, so that actually, it's funny. It might present a little bit of a problem for him in the NBA, right? Like, he would be able to recruit great guys. I don't know how well he would do with, with coaching them up. It's a whole different animal. Well, he he didn't want to be a coach. Oh, so he wanted to be the he GM. He just wanted to be front office. Ah. And, and I think that that's a job he's really well suited for. Obviously, he's got an eye for talent. Yeah. That's obvious. And then... He's a great recruiter. I think he'd be fantastic in a front office as long as he had like a a, a GM with NBA experience. Right. So if you paired him as president of basketball ops with, you know, like David Griffin. Yeah. Or, you know, I mean, that's a lot of money, but the Knicks can afford it. Um, I think that could be that could be formidable. It could be good. I but From the last tweet I saw, they're not interested. So, hey. Seriously, if somebody that high profile, listen, half of the guys in the NBA are his guys. You could get anybody to come play for you. That would, right, you have an automatic in right there, you know? Even if they're yeah. not available now, they'll definitely keep you in mind in the future. Yeah, that's, I mean, it's definitely possible. So, yeah. Anyway, I did want to talk a little bit about the draft because I haven't done a podcast since it happened. So, do you mind? Do you want to recap some things with me? Sure. I, I mean, it's been so long. <laughs> Uh, we don't so have many to. things have happened. Um, <laughs> you know what? Screw it. Hell with it. We'll just do no, it. No, no, no. I, I thought that. I mean, the draft was interesting. We should definitely just touch on it. Yeah. Have you talked about I mean, it? You've you've talked about it since, right? I was on live for hours during the draft. Oh, I knew that. Yeah. Come on, <laughs> come on, Joe. Sorry, I, sorry. Yeah. Pay attention to what I got going on. I know. Here, it's all about you, man. I'm cooking. You are cooking. I'm cooking. Congratulations on the cooking, by the way. I just well, found- you know. I just got so much stuff. I got a lot going on. I'm, I'm busting my tail trying to trying to build this thing up, man. Yeah. Well, listen. Don't don't tell Lou Williams. He wants he wants nothing. He don't want to hear anything about it. He doesn't want guys like you yeah. and me 
doing this. Well, stuff. you know, hang on now, hang on a second. See now, see now, I'm an athlete though. Um, oh yeah. So I didn't, I didn't feel like when when guys say that kind of stuff, I don't ever feel like it's directed at me. Because Lou Williams might get balled up by me. You never know. <laughs> You're that good. Uh, I'm pretty good. Yeah. I, I can, I can play. That's good. That's awesome. I can play. I, I, I see... suck at basketball. Does running count as as a sport? <laughs> um. Running is an activity. Oh, stop! Unless you're racing. Well, yeah, I can't. I can't really race anymore. I'm a little, yeah. a little old for that. Yeah. Well, I mean, I've been going to a chiropractor for the last couple of weeks because I was jogging, and hurt my back. So Ooh. yes, I, I resemble that remark. <laughs> <laughs> so Lou, what you're saying is Lou Williams has nothing to worry about with you. Uh, no, no, no. You know, it's funny. All right, so I can play basketball, uh-huh. and my back feels great. And I just, I was jogging. My back was a little bit sore and I was like, you know, I'll just run through it. And that was a huge, huge mistake. I'm at the point now cause I'm 36. So I'm at the point now where it's like in my head, I'm 18 mm-hmm. when I'm playing basketball, I still feel 18, mm-hmm. but it's like, I've got to pick my spots better. I got to be smarter. I'm almost at the point where it's like, I'm going to be your spot up guy instead of your point guard. Ah, yeah. Yep. You know, like I, I got to avoid contact and injuries and stuff like that. I'm I, hoping, I'm hoping it can hold out till I'm 40. Uh, and I've been told I can play pickup till I'm 50. That's what everybody keeps telling me. That's what they tell you. But you know, I'm 43. I haven't played ball in a while. I, uh, I, I think the trick is you can't stop. You yeah. That's probably true. I was never good at it to begin with. I went to a very small... You know what? Why are we talking about this? Anyway. I don't know. <laughs> let's talk about the draft. Let's talk. Let's recap the draft yeah. real quick. I was I, I, t- I emailed you the winners, and the, the winners and the losers. I hate that. The winners. So I thought about uh, it. You know, I did a winners and losers, losers podcast. Did you? Um, the night of the draft. Yeah. Mm. Um, and it was just an excuse to talk about who had a good draft and who had a bad draft. I mean, that's all it is. Right, exactly. So instead of saying winners and losers, I'm going to call them the happies and the sads of draft night. You know <laughs> what? But happy? you'll never get them to admit it. No. Well, you know, it doesn't have to just be them. Listen, here's here's somebody that's probably happy. Go ahead. What were you going to say? Welcome I can see to the-, the Semantics Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Lovely. Um, one One group that should be happy would be the Kings because I think they did really well. They, yes, I know a lot of people are railing on them because they traded the 10th pick when they could have had Malik Monk. But the guys they picked up for that pick, I think they did really good. They took a flyer on Harry Giles, right? And they took a flyer on, oh, oh I knew I was going to forget his name. Justin Jackson. Thank you, Justin Jackson. Uh, yeah. Both both those guys, especially Harry Giles, has a lot of potential. If he stays healthy, man, that's, bet on it. Fine. Why not? Yeah, um, I really like their draft a lot. I, I'm I'm high on De'Aaron Fox. Um, you know, I, I think that he's just such an amazing athlete, a good defender, good guy. You know, and and I think that matters a lot for Sacramento when they're trying to enact a culture change. Um, I loved trading down. I, I thought it was a smart draft to do that in. Yes, they could have gotten like Donovan Mitchell or Malik Monk. Um, but they, you know, they already have Buddy Healed, who's going to get the majority of those minutes. Right. And you can't really play Healed, Fox, and Monk together. They're, I think they're a little too small. Exactly. Um, and, and so I didn't mind it. Um, and I thought it was smart. If you, if ever there was a draft to do that, it was this one. And so getting Justin Jackson gives them another guy that can play the three with Malachi Richardson. 
I mean, they've got a super young team, but it's full of potential. And I love the Harry Giles pick at 20 because if that guy's healthy, he's the number one pick in this draft. Yeah. So, you you know, and he's looked explosive in workouts. And, I mean, I've seen some of the tape. He's looking good. So you have to trust, like, or hope that, that you're going to get this guy right physically. And I, I assume we'll see him in the D-League some. Um, a lot of people were worried that there was kind of a glut of centers on that team with um, Papianis and and Giles and Willie Cauley Stein and Scal. I see Scal as a four. Yeah, I like him stretching the uh, the floor next to like Willie Cauley Stein is like your roll threat, your vertical spacing threat. But if Giles becomes what he looked like he was going to be a couple years ago. He's like a top 20 player. You know what I mean? Like if he gets back to that level of athleticism and skill. And so then like that solves a lot of those problems. Like he probably winds up as your five next to Scal. But anyway, I like that their team going forward. Um, The best pick they made was Frank Mason. I mean, if you want to enact a culture change, Mm -hmm. right, but also get a good player, you got a guy who's a four. He was a four year starter at Kansas. He was the Big 12 Defensive Player of the Year. He was the Wooden Award winner. Oh, and he shoots 47% on threes. Okay, that'll work as your backup point guard. I mean, he's going to have like a 12-year career just because he's like a professional. Yeah. And I love him behind Fox. I think think it's great. Yeah, he's small. You know, he's, he's like an inch taller than I am. But... Uh, he's built, he's built pretty well. He's solid. And, uh, I think he's, I think he's going to be decent from day one. Yeah. I, I like everything they did. And mostly it's because like, as you were mentioning, Buddy Heald, like it's a vote of confidence for Buddy Heald. I can totally understand not going with Malik Monk. If you think Buddy Heald is your guy, let Buddy Heald be your guy. Don't, don't, don't bring in another guy that's going to like put a fire under his butt right away. And they're essentially very similar players, you know? Well, I mean, Malik Monk is way more athletic, but they do sort of the same thing. They'd be in the same position, play the same position. I, if you already got that guy, get somebody else. Trade down, get another couple guys you really like that have huge potential. I liked everything they did, and the thing I really like about it is it was not King's style. It was forward thinking, looking at the future, and you know, maybe these picks will never line up. Maybe they will never pan out, but that's the chance you take. That's the chance everyone takes. By the way, the 10th pick... Uh, Portland didn't really knock it out of the out of the park, did they? Hated that. I hated <laughs> oh my God. that. I hated. Like, what are they doing? I mean, because look, they could have kept fifteen and twenty, mm-hmm. and and even if they just took the same exact guys that the Kings took, they had a better draft. Exactly. Exactly. Oh man, um, they should be one of the sads. Their their fans are sad. Uh, just let's flow through this real quick. Yeah, Hor- Hornets. They should be happy that they got Monk. Monk's probably not very happy that he fell to them, but that's a great yeah. spot for him to land in, right? He's going to... Um, he, okay, so I don't think he's going to start. Um, so he's going to kind of come off the bench. I'm assuming he's going to be like Kemba Walker's backup mm-hmm. is, is my assumption. Um, but the, Charlotte got super lucky. I mean, I've got, I've got a friend... Uh, with the team and they were ecstatic to get him. Yeah. Uh, I think it's a shame. Like the Knicks passing on Dennis Smith and Malik Monk is going to come back to haunt him. Yep. Um, <laughs> not that like, I mean, Nilakina is just very raw. And so like, it's hard to pass judgment now, but he's I think also Dennis very, Smith, very young though. So sure. You know, he's a year younger than those guys. Yeah. Right. Like it, he's let's, 18. Let's right. Pretend- yeah, yeah, 18 to 19. It's not that big of a difference. But Dennis Smith and Malik Monk, to me, are going to be the two best guys in this draft. 
I think they've got the highest ceilings. Malik Monk can roll out of bed and score 20 points a game in the NBA. Like, his shot is so good. Him He's and Chile Okafor. Roll out of bed. <laughs> Never mind. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, yeah, so um, I think that Charlotte got incredibly lucky. But, yeah, I mean, I would have I loved to see Malik go somewhere that, you know, he could start from day one because I just want to watch him fill it up. And I was rooting for him to go to the Knicks because I really, really wanted to see him drop 50 in mm. MSG. Like, he's going to do it at some point somewhere. I yeah. just wanted to see him do it there. He, he would have been fun in New York. It's it's a, it's a shame that they didn't pick him. And, you know, now, now Phil's out the door. So, like, that was – I don't know why. Like, if you – this, this whole thing is – the whole New York thing is just wrought with problems, man. But anyway, Malik Monk uh, – you know, good for him. Good for the Hornets. Their fans should be happy. Um, LeVar Ball, he was a huge winner. Or he was a huge... Uh, he Hang should on. be happy. Go LeVar ahead. LeVar Ball had himself a week, man. First, yeah. you know, his son gets taken second overall. Yeah. And then he's on Raw. Yep. WWE Raw. By the way, the dude's it, pretty ripped. He's, like, in good yeah. shape. <laughs> well, I mean, good. Um, and And then while he's on WWE Raw, Drake is talking about him on the NBA Awards show. Mm. So whatever, like Le- LeVar might think what you want. He kind of lucked into this. Yeah. Uh, you know, like as far as all this exposure. Um, but he's getting the job done. How, how do you feel about him in general? Were you pro LeVar or anti LeVar or did you are indifferent? I don't really care. I mean, I appreciate the fact that he's there for his kid. Like that guy believes in his kids, right? Like um, at the end of the day, if you want to break it down and deconstruct it to one thing, he believes in his kids. Um, Is that how I would act if I, if I had kids? No, not at all. Um, That's just, I don't know. That's just me. I think he distracts from, from the immense talent that his son has. I agree with you. I, but he's also like, he's become a darling now too. He started out as the ultimate heel. Everyone loved, like everyone hated him. And now everyone's come back around. And I I have to admit, I kind of feel slightly the same. I'm like, you know what? He's just a big goofball, but yeah, he does. It's his, his, his method is a little bit detrimental. I think to his sons. Yeah. Hopefully not, but could be to his son's career. Eh, We'll see. Whatever. Anyway, he's a big winner. Sons are a big winner. Speaking of sons, uh, they got Josh Jackson. Great fit. Excuse me. <clears throat> yeah, Josh Jackson was a great pick. You know, I, I was saying for weeks leading up to the draft, Josh Jackson is the NBA, right? Like, it's a wing league. Mm-hmm. He can create off the dribble. He can shoot well, and I think he will shoot in the NBA. That Someone will fix that little weird hitch he has in his shot. Well, let me ask um, you about that as, as, as a coach yourself. Oh, I know why he – I know exactly why he does that. Break it down for me. Okay, so here's the deal. Um, a lot of people don't know how to coach shooting. Mm-hmm. They just don't. They have you fight your body. They have you do unnatural things. Like, let me guess. You've probably heard you shouldn't dip. I've never had any point. coaching in my never. life. Never. Okay. So. <laughs> All right. Well, there are coaches that will put their hand underneath the ball to stop you from dipping. And that's not – that's bad. The dip is a natural motion. If you go down, right, it's nat- – like if you go down into your shooting motion, it's natural for the ball to go down. It's how you get power, balance. Mm-hmm. This is how you get set up. It, dips are totally fine. What happens is these coaches try to coach it out of them and you get like – unless you're like Clay Thompson who doesn't really – he's got a dip but it's not a big dip. Mm-hmm. It's not a normal dip. It's, it's like suboptimal. But he's six seven and and has done this forever, and so he's able to get away with it. But Josh Jackson, instead of dipping down, 
he does a dip that goes out. Right. So he he replaced one dip for like a good dip for a bad dip. And so that's all they got to do is just bring that in, get it more compact to the body, get his wrist activated early, and then boom, he'll be fine. Okay. I'm glad you yeah. have confidence in him. I do not. Yeah. I th- well, he's I, also he's also a super athlete who even yeah. if he only shoots 32% from 3 is going to change the is going to affect the game. He can he guard the- 1 through 4. Um you know, I thought Boston should have taken him because I think he and Jalen Brown could be like your your three four quote unquote combo for the next you know ten to twelve years if you you know if you can keep them under contract. But I think Phoenix got a great pick and he'll slot in really well next to Marquise Chris. I mean, that's a, that's a super athletic duo right oh, there. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I kind of knew that Boston was going to take Tatum. I just I just felt it in my bones. I just felt like this is a totally a Danny Ainge pick. Like he just. He's going to take the wrong guy. I just, I just feel like he's always going to take the wrong guy. Boston fans probably not happy right now. They're, they're some of the sads in the league. I don't know what they're, I don't know what Ainge is planning on doing, but you know, if he follows suit with the rest of the NBA right now and is free agent, not even free agent period yet. And everything is going crazy. Like he's got to have something up his sleeve, right? He's going to be planning uh, to do something or maybe he's um, not. I wouldn't, bet on it necessarily um you know uh it's not like they don't have a team that just made it to the eastern conference finals true um they i I know that they're planning to go after gordon hayward very hard yeah so you know that it might just be that i know that they want they want paul george and gordon hayward but if i'm them i'm not willing to give up too much for um for paul george you know like i think that i'm a i'm a i'm really high on jay crowder obviously he's not you know, on Paul George's level, but is he 75%? I think so. And then do you want to lose that? And he's a great asset. That contract's amazing. And you've got it for three more years. Um, do you want to lose him plus more assets for Paul George? Like, does it, does it get you past Cleveland? And then, you know, I, I just, the, the, the dominoes will start to fall, you know, in like what, how many hours away are we? 18, yeah. no, no, no. Sorry, 30 hours 30 away. 30 hours away. It's getting close. Yeah. Yeah, the dominoes will start to fall soon. So, um, you know, we'll 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 see soon what they're what they have going on. I mean, if he's pulling a trigger, any triggers before free agency, it'll have to happen today, basically. Um, but I believe that for the cap stuff to work, he he ha- they have to sign Hayward and then make the Paul George trade. I'm not sure. I, I just overheard that on a podcast. So. Hmm. Or I guess I listened to that on a podcast. <laughs> I get all my I overheard it. You Someone else was listening to a podcast and I heard it. And yeah, <laughs> I get all my information from podcasts at this point. Um, like, yeah, never mind. Anyway, uh, <laughs> uh, what was I going to say? Yeah, no, I don't know. I like the, the funny thing is like, aren't we sitting in this exact same position every year talking about Danny Ainge is about to make some crazy deal. He's going to do something and he never does. I, I'm starting to think like he might be a little bit of a snake oil salesman or he's really just trying to build for the future and believes in what he's doing. And like, he's trying to see it through. It's completely counter, um, not intuitive, but it's completely the opposite of the way he built the team last time when they went to the championship. So, and we all know he's really good at trading. He, that's, I think his strong suit and he's got all those picks, but you know, we'll see, we'll see what he does. It's going to be fun to watch him wind up and, and land up, end up with nothing again. That would be kind of, might be kind of fun. <laughs> you know, that's if he's gonna, if he's going to wind up 
with nothing and if he's going to wind up at all like like is he going to go for anything right right that's the that's the tricky part with him is like he may have decided that no we're good and yeah. they're not going to make any moves, and we don't know. Um, and that's the thing. They are good. So in that respect, Jason Tatum was a perfect pit fit for them, right? Because he's he's the most offensive-ready guy in the draft, I think. He's the most plug-and-play guy in this draft. He can come off the bench right off the bat and then work, him way, work his way into the starting lineup if you need him to. He's, you know, he's not bad. Eh, we'll see. I don't know if it's going to translate. Yeah, I'm with you. We'll, I think- we'll see. I mean, it, like, it's too early to... to to make any sort of determination with any of these guys, I think, um, I think it's going to be, I don't know. I, I'd say maybe by mid season, we'll have an idea with some of them, but you know how it, that is. Like it, it could be, could be years. It yeah. could be like a couple of years before some of these guys get a chance. For sure. I feel very, very similar to him about, I feel very, I feel very much the same way I feel about like LaMarcus Aldridge and, and DeMar DeRozan about, Tatum that's kind of the same guy for me okay yeah and, are, and how I, do you feel about that <laughs> like, um, now that you've said don't that really loud, like him that... <laughs> oh yeah I guess I should have oh but you've never listened to my podcast have you uh, uh I you know what I listened to one episode uh, but I've got it subscribed I'm so far behind dude, on podcasts tell me about it um listen like, I've got like podcasts sitting in my queue that are like a month old you've listened to You've listened to one more than everyone else, so kudos, kudos to you, my friend. <laughs> uh, there, I don't know. We're moving on from the draft. Right? Yeah, let's move on to the draft. I just also wanted to really quick point out that the Bulls fans must be furious right now, and and rightfully so. I feel bad for. Yeah, them, you don't give up a Jimmy. You don't give up Jimmy Butler for that. You no. know. No, you really he still don't. Had, yeah, he still had two years on his deal, and it's a good price. Um, they they've. They really fucked themselves up by signing Rondo and Wade last summer. And, and, you know, they could have put together better pieces around him. um, But there's no forward thinking at all in that organization. They're not thinking about the the next year at all. And they really just wanted to make a splash last summer. And I think it was just a huge mistake. They set themselves back, you know, four years but we, by making those signings last year. But we all knew this from the beginning last year. We all knew this from the jump. How did they not know this? How did they not there's a see certain this amount, There's a certain amount of cognitive dissonance that goes on in some of these NBA front offices. And Chicago, I would say Chicago, could be the worst culprit of, of cognitive dissonance. I mean, all of the moves that they make are just, they, they fly in the face of everything we know about basketball like i mean you know or at and, least and, team building and and winning right right exactly yeah it's just why would you why would you pair let's just go back to the signings they made last year when they when they signed d wade and they signed rondo right off the bat like you knew those guys were never going to work together where's your floor spacing like where you're going exactly away from what the nba is doing right now which you know, Sam Hinkie said sometimes when other people zig, you got, when everybody else is zigging, you need to zag. And I understand that, but I don't think that was really the way to do it, right? You have no floor spacing, so you're like, there's just no way to operate. And all, not to mention, all those guys are in their 30s. What did you think you were gonna get? You're gonna get a frustrated Jimmy Butler, for sure, and you're not gonna get many wins. Actually, they they outperformed by far what I thought they would do. Yeah. Um... 
you know, the the zigging when other people are zagging thing. I mean, like the the Spurs did that, right? Like they they built they got Aldridge to to kind of dominate the the mid range. Although his mid range sniper ability is is a bit overblown. I mean, he's above average, but he's not Chris Bosh or Dirk Nowitzki right. in the mid range, right? Like, I mean, um, yeah. So I, I think that. There, there is something to that, like looking for inefficiencies in the market, not just in the market, like free agent market, but also looking, you know, the market that is a basketball court, right? Like, you know, looking for um, ways to to leverage your position to gain an advantage where other people like they're not used to seeing it used, which is why the mid range stuff, you know, for the from the Spurs actually made a lot of sense because you know, it's just given to you oftentimes. I mean, look at how the Spurs defended the Houston Rockets. And what they did was they actually just gave up the mid-range and the Rockets wouldn't take it. And that's a large part of the reason why they lost. I mean, you know, to me, Chris Paul actually helped solve some of that problem. Yeah. Well, do you want to talk about that? Well, I was going to say, you know, we were going to talk about <laughs> I was just going to really quickly bring bring up the uh, the Jimmy Butler thing today. Did you see it at his press conference when he uh, yeah he, he gave, gave out, out his, his phone, phone number? number. Yeah, yeah uh, I'm I guess give him a call. Yeah, I think and... he's changed his number now. At least that's what I heard on Zach Lowe's podcast. But uh, no, I just I just read that he was taking Facetime calls from random people. So I'm going to call him up and just see if he wants to do a podcast. I think we can get him on right now. We should try it. Oh, yeah, let me. I'll look up the number. Go um, ahead, look it up. Let's keep let's keep potting because see if you can get him on. Boring. Yeah, that would be. This would be the best podcast ever. Anyway, um, we were going to talk about Chris Paul, and since you segued it into that so beautifully, anyway, this whole Chris Paul deal, I did not. It's almost like I host a uh, podcast. It's almost like that. Yes. <laughs> um, I did not see this Chris Paul news dropping. Man, it it shook me to my core. I was like, what? Um, came out of nowhere, but it's a really interesting trade. He obviously wanted to get out of LA and there's a whole lot of rumors circulating about why that was with Austin rivers and hating doc, by the way, that whole report, I forget who the reporter was from ESPN that, uh, came out and said that he despised doc. I'm like, that's, yeah, if you're, that's if you're, a little strong. It's a little strong. Like you're talking about he he's upset with doc because he felt like he put his son ahead of the rest of the team. Okay, fine. I understand that. Like you want to feel like your coach and your GM, same person in this case, has the best interest of the team in mind. And if and if their son is on the same team, like no matter what that kid does, he's going to be looked at like he's seeking favor. Call him. Uh, All right, I'm calling Jimmy Butler. I'm going to call him on speaker. So hopefully it doesn't sound too bad. Yeah, that sounds kind of bad. <laughs> Oh, well, that's a bummer. I think he's that's a good little, podcast. Yeah. That's good podcast material right there, though. He's probably um, a little busy. But, yeah, uh, I, like, look, I, I'm sure, obviously, they weren't getting along. Um, right. But you could see that last year. It was very, very, very apparent. So, uh, you know, it's, uh, I don't know. I, I you know, I, I care much more about the on-the-court stuff. And, and here's the reality is the Clippers, we kind of know what the ceiling for the team that they have like we know the ceiling is yeah. it's second round playoff loss. Um, it's a team that gets embarrassed every time they play golden state, you know, and, it, like they just weren't going to get any better the way they were constructed. And, and don't I forget think Chris, their ceiling was lowering as we speak. Absolutely. And I think Chris Paul saw the writing on the wall that JJ didn't want to come back. He was already not very happy. And I think he did. I think he was smart to do what he did and, and to opt in. And then that sets him up 
you know, uh, the Rockets will have his bird rights next summer. He can do the five-year max with bird rights, so, you know, to carry him through age 38. Now, do I want to pay him uh, $45 million when he's 38 years old? No. no. <laughs> and that's what the Clippers were thinking. Do yeah. I want to pay this guy $45 million when he's 37? So it's a two-way street. I think the Clippers, I think it, it was the right move, and I think it was the right move for Chris Paul, and I think it was the right move for the Rockets because, you know, he's going to a better team. And so sometimes you got to, you know, if you want to make an omelet, you got to break a few eggs. Yeah. And that means spending some money. And so I thought it was a good move. And if they wind up with Paul George, or, you know, Gordon Hayward or, you know, Kevin Love or whoever they're in the mix for, because I'm assuming they're in the mix for everybody, uh, then, you know, then they've got something there. For sure. That's the only thing. Like, it's really hard to see how they're going to do it, though, because they're right up against the cap now. I think they the way they did this, from what I understand and what I've listened to. So here, here's what they did. The, the Rockets traded Sam Decker, Patrick Beverly, Lou Williams, DeAndre Liggins, Darren Hilliard, Montrez Harrell, Kyle—I don't even know who Kyle Whittier Kyle is. What, what Kyle is it? Whittiers. Whittier. Whittiers. Oh, okay. And a top three protected 20, 2018 first round pick plus right. and then six hundred sixty-one thousand dollars. Well, hang on. <laughs> now, now, don't forget—they picked up all of those those non-guaranteed deals to right. include in the trade. All that cost them was money. Right. So what they did was they actually created some space <laughs> by picking up those deals. So they actually made their cap look better mm-hmm. in the Chris Paul trade. They created an eight and a half million dollar trade exception. They've still got the mid-level, which is like 8.6. They've got the biannual exception, which is like a little over three. So they've got some money to get some role players, some good role players. I, right. I would guess that Nene winds up getting the, uh, the biannual. Um, and then, you know, that Ryan Anderson contract, that $20 million a year contract, that thing is tradable. Is it? Yeah, it's very tradable. So I mean, he'll he'll be included in whatever deal, and and they'll wind up with someone. It could be Paul Millsap and like a sign and trade with Atlanta. Um, you know, it depends on how Atlanta feels about Ryan Anderson. But I would assume Ryan Anderson will be on his way out if uh, in a deal that got Paul George because like Trevor Ariza can kind of be your your four man to a certain extent for me i just don't see who's going to take on ryan anderson's contract especially if you're talking about like trying to get paul george in there okay so maybe they have enough space for him in the cap but what else do they have to give them that's not i don't think they're going to be able to put a package together enough that's going to well, they've got them <clears throat> they've got a draft pick you know that they could trade a first which rounder will, which will be a, the end of the draft pick so it's not really um, not necessarily they could trade a future first they could do like 2020 2021 and then you don't know what this team is going to look like i mean what is a 35 year old chris paul going to play like right you get what i'm saying so so it's a future bet but like if you're the nets but compared to like what Boston can offer them after Indiana right now, which is like next year's Nets pick, next year's sure. Boston pick. I mean, I just don't think that they're going to be able to compete in that market. They don't have enough. Right, and I'm not sold that they're going to get Paul George. Yeah, and listen, don't get me wrong. I think Daryl Morey, did, he struck again. He did an amazing job. He's a master of, of figuring out the cap and figuring out how to get guys on his team. He keeps that team competitive every year. He did a wonderful job. It was I mean, I, my head's still spinning. I still can't wrap my head around all the things that they did to get to get that to happen. Um, but yeah, he saved. They made little, six trades. Six trades. I know, and they they also picked up uh, somebody from the Sixers too, and somebody else. Sean Long. Sean Long. Thank you. He did. 
you just sit there and read the internet all day, don't you? I'm kidding. No, <laughs> but I do, I do read a lot. No, but I'm reading it right now. Um, no, he did it. He did a great, great job. Uh, I, and as you were mentioning, I think it's a great, it's a big win for both teams, man. Seriously, they got Patrick Beverly. The, the Clippers did. They got Patrick Beverly back. And Patrick Beverly is one of my favorite players. He's not nothing. He's not Chris Paul, but man, is he good. And I think if the, if this is going to be his team or sort of his team, if he's going to be the starting point guard, like your actual point guard, I think he's got a lot to offer. He's, he is a devil on defense. Does that even make sense? He's a sure. devil. I don't know. Sure. I call him, I call him those guys bulldogs or I call them assholes. Oh, all right. Fair. All right. Right. He's well, an let's... asshole defender, which is like the worst <laughs> guy. Like think about at pickup. He's the guy guarding you full court and being like poking you in the ribs and stuff. Yeah. So, uh, so Patrick Beverly is also on a great contract. It's got a couple years left on it. And so, you know, you can go one or two ways. You keep him and play him. Or if you're going to tear it down, he's a movable piece that's worth that he's got value in the league. I mean, they're, uh, he's one of those guys. He's like a he's a 30 team guy, right? Like he could go to any team and he's going to be better. a useful player. I mean, could you imagine him going to like Minnesota? Yeah. Jeez. Right. Like um, he would work well in Philly. He, but I think I think a contender would probably value him even more because of his defense and the fact that he shoots over 40% from 3. Like let's not forget that. He's not just a one-dimensional player. This is not Tony Allen. So Right. Yeah, exactly. So they I think they did it really well and they got Montrez Harrell, who was really good for Clint Capella when he went down last year. I mean, he stepped up amazingly well. And they, that was his I, rookie year I last like, year, right? I like Montrez as like an undersized 5. I mean, I I really do. Yeah, I think, you know, this was a, a huge get for the Clippers. And I, I don't know how much of it had to do with Doc or if it was a lot more. I, I think it was a Jerry West move. It feels like it, it feels like a Jerry West move. Yeah, I, it feels like a Jerry West move. It doesn't feel like something Doc Rivers would do. And somebody else mentioned on a podcast that this was like a really a gutsy move. And you don't see Doc Rivers doing this. You see Doc what, Rivers trading Chris Paul. Yeah. Well, and no. getting back everything that he got, getting like, it was, a, towards... it was a no brainer move. If, if you, if Chris Paul is telling you, I'm going to leave. Well, that you part, got yeah. back to him. that part. Yeah. But like, but like getting a draft pick in return and going with young guys and trying to like sort of restock, it doesn't feel like a doc move. Um, I don't, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm sure it's a Jerry West move. Um, but, but really like they, this was about the best case scenario you could ask for if you're losing Chris Paul is that, you know, you, you're able to make a trade like this and actually get some good pieces back. I mean, Decker, Decker's not terrible. I like Harold a lot. Obviously Pat Beverly is really good. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm high on, on what they're doing. I mean, I, I think that, that was actually a really good trade for the Clippers. If you're again, if you're losing Chris Paul, right, right, right. I think it was a good trade for both. I don't know what they do about about. Uh, oh my God, Blake Griffin. Blake, <laughs> yeah, the the Blake stuff is funny, right? Like if they don't, I mean, if they don't bring Blake back, you're going to go ahead. Then you're going to move DJ, um, which could cost him some money because you know he you know he could get the five year max from them next summer. Um, but I think that they're probably going to come in to Blake and offer him the five-year max and keep him unless they've decided to do a, a rebuild, which I don't really think they have because think about it. They're about to build that new stadium mm-hmm. uh, or new arena, I, I should say, in Inglewood. And this is a team that has finally had multiple years of 
kind of success. Like this is the first sustained sustained success that this team's ha- ever had. And I know Steve Ballmer is is probably you know like he doesn't care about the money. Like he'll throw the money out there. Let's you know let's just put a good team together. So uh, the tough part is that the you know I mean luckily for them the point guard market is sort of. Um, wide open. There's a lot of guys out there and not a lot of teams with money. Right. And if they lose Reddick and Chris Paul, they could have some money to go get someone like maybe Drew Holiday. I'd have to do the math, but Drew Holiday, maybe they could be in for George Hill, uh, something like that. And then, you know, the other thing is without Chris Paul, you sort of unlock Blake Griffin right. a little more as your, as your playmaker working at the elbows. You know, think about Nikola Jokic and the way he works and operates their offense in Denver. You may have some of that with, with Blake as well. And then if his three-point shot is legit, you've cleared out more space. So you get a pick-and-roll um, point guard to run pick-and-rolls with, with DJ and just throw lobs. And then you've got your, your Blake Griffin as, as a little bit more something close to a primary uh, playmaker and initiator and uh you know there's something there it's not it's not you know a top five seed i don't think yeah i mean there's the whole ringer thing where everybody's clamoring for for blake to be the primary ball handler to be point forward so we could see it i don't know they could they could sort of go in that direction if they wanted to he's good with the ball in his hands um yeah and who knows man maybe this will be better for the team maybe it will settle some of the personality issues Maybe they'll kind of gel a little bit and rally around. And, like, you, you could tell there was no love lost between those guys. All they did was complain and, like, on the sidelines they were not, like, high-fiving. They're just, like, miserable. I don't know how much of that has to do with the players and how much of it has to do with the the environment that Doc has built for his guys but or how much they resent him. I don't know. I mean, I'm not attributing, like, Chris Paul leaving to him being pissed at Doc Rivers. I just I think he just wanted out because yeah, he I, saw I think the ceiling. It- Right. Better situation. And, yeah. and I mean, and even if there was some of that other stuff, I think that he's enough of a professional that it wouldn't have been, you know, the highest thing on his list of priorities. What do you think of his fit with James Harden? I think it'll be fine. I, I think, uh, you know, the on the court stuff, like as far as basketball X and O's type stuff, I think is is going to be fine. They're going to be good. They'll, they'll they should complement each other. Um, I actually posted a video uh, on my Twitter feed um of those two and how you know they didn't get a lot of opportunities to just catch and shoot the basketball Mm -hmm. but they you know on zero dribble threes james harden shot 38.8 percent and chris paul shot 46.8 percent but they didn't get a lot of opportunities right and so what this will allow them to do both of them can be play initiators and still wind up getting the ball back for catch-and-shoot opportunities, which they weren't able to do as much without the other. So, you know, having that another playmaker on the court helps you in, in a lot of ways. I mean, both of them are, are slash-and-kick threats. So you can't just – I mean, you know, you, you have to zone up. You can't just hedge out on every single screen. So it's, it's going to be interesting. I think D'Antoni will get it to work, but let's see if, you know, those two personalities – let it work. You know, what's going to happen right. the first time Chris Paul chirps at James Harden about a missed rotation on defense? You know, um, how's James Harden going to deal with uh, Chris Paul's stink face, right. you know, when something's not going right? And then are are both of those guys going to be able to give up the their natural tendency to kind of pound the ball a little bit, especially in, in crunch time? Right, right. I did see your tweet, by the way. I checked it out. It was pretty good. Yeah. 
Yeah, and I think that's the bigger worry here too. I don't think it's that they can't work together as teammates, as as players, as what their style brings to the table. They're both amazing facilitators. They're both amazing at getting like we forget how good of a shooter Chris Paul is. He can hit from anywhere on the court. It's yeah. crazy. Well, and because then the next Go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say because he's such an amazing facilitator because right. he really puts his guys in position. Now you have Harden who's also incredibly good at the same thing. The, I do sort of feel like James Harden is maybe going to regress numbers-wise a little bit this year because Chris Paul is going to have the ball in his hand more. He's not going to oh, get the only assist on assists. Right. Only on assists. But, like, you know, like, assists don't even matter, man. Like, they're, they're, kind of, they're very subjective anyway. And, they like, are I just- think – I think a hockey assist is more important than a direct assist because sure. a hockey assist means you're getting assists within the flow of your offense. Like this is like a knock on Russell Westbrook and his assist numbers because he just has the ball so much that he gets assist opportunities. It's sort of like I don't know if you're a baseball guy but like RBIs in baseball are kind of a meaningless stat because it's all about the guys in front of you being on base. You got to have the opportunities. Ah Right. Yeah, I know. I don't know. I don't know it's, anything about baseball. I hate it. Okay. So you can't get a, <laughs> you can't get a run batted in without a runner on without base. a runner on base. Right. Unless that you hit a home run. Right. So um, anyway, I, I just think that I just think that'll be fine. Um, I mean, I think Chris Paul's will probably be down a little bit too. just again, opportunity costs. But I think that they're going to stagger a lot. They probably will only play together like 12, 12. to 14 minutes a game. Yeah. I'm, by and by the then, way. Well, what I was going to say before was, you know, Chris Paul unlocks a new thing for this offense, which is the mid-range. Yeah. They, you know, the the reason they got killed in the playoffs was that they would not shoot the mid-range and Chris Paul will shoot 70% on open mid-range shots. Like that's nothing. He's 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 fine with that. So, um it makes him a little bit more deadly on that end and the defensive drop-off shouldn't be huge if if at all. Yeah, I mean they will miss Beverly I think a little bit for the defense, but Chris Paul is also an outstanding defender. Yeah, um, And then the other thing I was going to mention is, and I know people have said this before, but imagine one of these guys is going to be on the court at all times. You have very little fall off when one of them hits the bench. When, when your starters aren't out there, you have like, that's a huge thing. That's why, that's why Washington sucked in the playoffs. That's why uh, any number of teams don't get very far in the playoffs because they have no bench, you know? Yeah. And, and to have one of maybe, Two, you have two of what the ten best players in the league on your team, and to have one right. of them on the court at all times—that's huge. Whoever and potentially, else, you could potentially be adding a guy who's top fifteen yeah. to that mix. You know, so yeah, good, good for exciting. both of them. It's really it's exciting. exciting. I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be watching a lot of Houston basketball this year. I think I watched about sixty-five games last year of the Rockets. That's that's and it was fun. Yeah, I love Mike D'Antoni though. Yeah, I do too. Um, how about speaking of, uh, head coaches and GMs and stuff, Phil Jackson, we were talking about him a little bit earlier. Um, how, how happy are you to see him go? I know, I know everyone in New York is probably dancing in the street. I'm not happy. I, you know, I'm never happy when people get fired. I I would rather he had not taken the job in the first place. Yeah. Um, or had been good at it. Um, but you know, I just think he didn't really want the job. Um, and it was just a bad fit, but the Knicks are a shit show and they have been for a long time. And until they're until their ownership turns that shit around, they're going to continue to do stuff like this, and it's not going to be good. So what you're saying is, is essentially, excuse me, is that once James Dolan sells the team, they'll turn it around. He's not going to sell the team. He's not selling the team, no. So no, they're going to be a shit show for not. the rest of their existence. 
It's sad, man. I feel really bad for Knicks fans because obviously I live in New York and I get to see people that are Knicks fans all the time. I have friends who are Knicks fans and like this is depressing it as hell for them. For me, it's kind of funny because I don't really care, but I would like to see the Knicks be good too. You know, it's the league is much more fun when the Knicks are good. But the things that the Zen master has done in New York and like, okay, he picked Porzingis. That was a home run, right? He did mm-hmm. that. That was good. He also got Willie Hernan Gomez. He's a he's a good player. Now, think, now to be fair, to be fair, though uh, there there are other people within the organization that do the legwork. <laughs> okay. Yeah. No, that's fair. So it's not like he just discovered Porzingis and you know he was in Lithuania. No, it's and, true. I don't know if it, I remember who I was talking to, but the only person that I know of that actually did scout Porzingis and go to his games was Sam Hinkie, and he didn't pick him. Like you know. So I, I imagine that somebody else probably made that pick and not Phil. But who knows, you know? They also picked uh, Frankie Smokes. Is that what we're calling him now? Who? Frank Nielakina. Uh, I him. don't know what we're calling him. <laughs> Is that what everyone's... Don't look at me like that. Yeah, um, I'm calling him... I'm calling him... <laughs> Nilakina. All right, cool. Well, I think the whole thing was like people started out calling him Frankie Nicotine because they couldn't say Nilakina, and then it just became Frankie Smokes. Forget it. You know, it's a dumb nickname anyway. Um, yeah, somebody somebody made those picks. Anyway, he uh, he had a very interesting time here in New York. Um, he's not hurting for money, so don't feel about him. Don't feel bad about him being fired, man. He got the rest of his contract guaranteed. They're still paying him what twenty four million more for the next two years. So he's going to be fine. He's going to go hang out in his ranch, do some hallucinogenic drugs in Montana, and, uh, and you know, relax. And, they, you know, the, there's, a, there's another crappy thing, too, that people were – I mean, it's not really crappy. They were talking about how Phil Jackson's health is failing him. Not failing him, but he's not in great shape or not in great – Well, yeah, I mean, he's, he's, he's got 71. the bad hips and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah I, look, man, I, I, just think, I just think it's important – to get someone in there that wants the job. Yeah. This was a vanity hire from day one. It was just this idea that, I mean, they wanted him to coach at first and, you know, and then they offered him the GM job and then it got to the president job. It just, I don't know, man, like it, it was never a serious thing for him. At least it felt like it. I know, but it, he sure did take pissing off his players seriously. He, he excelled at that. My biggest problem with Phil Jackson was the fact that, you know, your your job is to recruit superstars or or recruit free agents in general, right? Sure. Like to find talent and get them to want to sign with your team. And here you are, you've got a guy who's considered a star in the league, and you're treating him like shit. Yep. Trying to get him to waive his no trade clause, trying to make his life miserable so he leaves. And he wants to be in New York. Yeah. Right. So he wants to stay there. He's weathering the storm of a rebuild, and you're and you're treating him the way that Phil did. And then you do the stuff with LeBron and his posse. That is inexcusable. How are you getting any meetings? You're yeah, not. You're not. As evidenced by last summer. You know, Kevin, did they get a Kevin Durant meeting? No. The New York Knicks being this much of an embarrassment is terrible for the NBA. And, I mean, we really need them to be good. We need them to be decent at least. Yeah. Um, remember that? Remember that? It's just, remember that first year when Melo and, and um, Amari Stoudemire were together and, and- – in New York, yeah, and they made the yeah. playoffs, and nobody thought they were going to do anything really. But they, well, they, no, they, they made that was the second year. It was the second year. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Amari was there one. It year was, was uh, yeah, yeah, it was, it was after uh, D'Antoni, right? 
But anyway, they were like they played the Heat really tough. It was a lot of fun, man. There was energy around the city. Just having the Knicks in the playoffs was a lot of fun. And ever since then, it's been straight downhill. And now you bring in a guy like Phil Jackson, who's supposed to exactly what you were saying, bring in st- stars. He, he has a huge reputation as one of the best coaches of all time, right? You think, and apparently his whole thing was making relationships with his guys. He All he did the entire time he was in there was isolate his players and and just destroy the culture of what, I mean, they had a terrible culture to begin with. This is no surprise. Like the Knicks have been uh, in shambles for a long time, but man, it's just, I don't even know what to say. Anybody they bring in now is an upgrade, obviously. There's a lot of talk about them bringing in David Griffin. I think that would be a great hire. There's also talk about Sam Hinkie, which I I freaking I think, highly doubt I think that's Sam Hinkie's the wrong guy for that job. Well, not to speak on Hinkie, I'm a Hinkieite. I don't, I don't, I, I also agree he's not the right guy for that job, but probably not for the reasons that everybody's saying. It's not like he's going to take the team and tear him down again. He wouldn't do there what he did with the Sixers. I think right. he would, he would do a different strategy. And I think he's totally sure. capable of that. Um, but yeah, I agree. He's not the right guy for that job. It's not his style. Um, no. Be great but, for the Clippers, though. He would be great for the Clippers. He would be fantastic for the Clippers. He's right where he needs to be there. Uh, and who's the other one? Masai Ujiri. I just saw a thing on Twitter where he's like, I hate the Knicks. I don't know if this was new or old, but I, whenever, I think it was Woj tweeted it out first or Mark Sign or somebody, yeah. I, I saw it and I was like, I just started laughing. I was like, this is never going to happen. You can't, it's like bringing someone into the midst of a bad marriage. Like, hey, you want to move in with me and my dysfunctional, me and my wife are going to fight all the time. You want to move in? It's not going right. to happen. Yeah, it's a. It, By the I way, my know, wife it, and I don't fight all the time. And that's it's not me. right. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know, man. I don't know what they're gonna do because they're gonna wind up having to overpay for someone because of how bad the situation is there. Um, David Griffin would would immediately be, you know, just one of the better hires they've ever made because he's a professional GM. He knows what he's doing. Got great connections and relationships around the league. Um, and and the Knicks can afford to pay him and probably overpay him a little bit, but they've got to give him autonomy and they got to get out of the way and let him let him actually construct a roster. And you know you can't have Dolan doing all this stuff. You know there's a lot of talk that they don't want to buy out Carmelo, they want to trade him. Well, you know I'm I, you know if I'm there, I got to talk to Carmelo first, right? Like I'm not making any decision until I talk to Carmelo. And if he wants to be there through a rebuild, I mean, he's expensive, but at the same time, like if he's your vet, I- I'm okay with that. Yeah. I mean, you he know, wants and- to, yeah, he wants to be in New York. The only thing I see, the only problem I have with Melo is that it's not even that he's a ball dominant, you know, ball stopper guy. It's mm-hmm. his, it's his, he wants, he is at one time at least was a superstar and he wants to still yeah. be treated as a superstar. Well, and you can see but- it's rubbing him the wrong way a little bit with Porzingis getting so much attention. Let me- he didn't let mean, me ask you. Go ahead. Let Let me ask you. Do you know? Do, can you name three guys that could be? Well, actually, all four of them can be free agents next summer. Yeah, it's it's LeBron, it's Chris yeah. Paul, it's um, Paul George. No, that's not who I'm thinking of. Oh, but Carmelo will, and Dwayne Wade. And so Dwayne Wade. They could actually do team to banana boat. In New York now, I don't think that that's a great team or anything, but it's a better team than what they've got. And you sell tickets, and you probably are top four seed in the East for sure. Um, and so, you know, you know who would be a great guy to put that together? David probably Griffin. a guy that has relationships with uh, LeBron, right? Yeah. So David Griffin would be a good hire. I would hire him just for the off chance that you could possibly get LeBron to New York. 
Yeah, seriously. I don't think it's ever going to happen, but yeah. Listen, David Griffin did an excellent job. Whatever you want to... I know everyone everyone says that like LeBron was pulling the strings and he was doing all that stuff. David Griffin was working in a pressure cooker environment. Yeah, David Griffin killed that. He killed it. He did a phenomenal job. I was shocked. I mean, I, I think we all knew that it was coming that... Uh, the owner whose name is escaping me right now, like everybody else's name right now, um, wasn't going to resign him because that's just his MO. But David Griffin really deserved that job. He deserves another shot somewhere in the NBA, and I think he's going to land on his feet pretty quickly. I think New York would be a spectacular, spectacular landing place for him. And like you said, Dolan needs to give him autonomy as a GM. This is the first time he's ever done that. When he brought Phil Jackson in, he actually let him go. He gave him the reins and it's like, he let it, He let him basically destroy everything that he did, you know? So hopefully he would let that the next GM do the same thing. We'll see how it goes. Um, do you want to hit any other subjects? There's just so much going on. I know. And and what's what's amazing is by the time this podcast gets out, it's all going to be outdated. Gonna be six other dominoes that have fallen. I know. And I'm like, I'm just all I want to do is keep refreshing Twitter. Oh, I so, have been. There's... I don't know if you could hear the clicks, but I've had it going because <laughs> I just want to make sure we don't miss anything um, while we're here. Well, um, Jimmy, uh, not Jimmy Butler, but uh, Jeremy Lin's hairstyle is apparently pretty. Oh, good God. Have you seen this? <laughs> yes, I saw it. Yeah. <laughs> what is he doing? Um, anything else you're looking forward to in free agency? You know, uh, I mean, I'm just looking forward to free agency, right? Because then then I can yeah. start my preview projection stuff. I can start saying, okay, now we know what the league is going to look like and the Warriors are going to be able to go 16-0 and 0 in the playoffs, right? Like, I mean, this is, this is what I'm looking at is, um, you know, getting through free agency, seeing how everything shakes out, seeing who gets traded. Remember... DeMarcus Cousins only has one year left on his contract. Oh, yeah. Just throwing that out there mm-hmm. as someone that no one's talking about getting dealt. Because he, he just got dealt. One, doesn't <laughs> matter. He only has one year left on his contract. The Pelicans have a shitty cap situation. Like, if they can't bring back Drew Holiday, they only have $13 million in cap space to play with. And guess what? That's not getting it done. So, just throwing this out there. The Boogie Cousins watch is on. All right. You're that, calling it that's out. My, that's my thing to watch. I haven't even considered that. But that's a good call, that's, man. That's why, that's why I get paid the big bucks. Uh, yes, you do. Yes. Do you? <laughs> no. <laughs> Can you put me all. on to some of that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, and it's the 10th anniversary of Ratatouille. Pixar's Ratatouille. So, Do you know I, saw that, I saw that in the theater? Great movie. Thanks for making me feel old. It's a great movie. I saw it in a theater too. Did you? We were all alive 10 years ago. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I guess you're right. (laughs) Yeah. It's a great movie. It was fun. It was fun. It was a fun movie. It's a a great movie. (laughs) I will not take any Ratatouille slander from you. Up there with There Will Be Blood and and Sopranos. No, it's a different different thing. It's a great movie. (laughs) I can watch Ratatouille. I can watch Ratatouille anytime it's on. Okay, so I've, it's extremely watchable. And it's a good movie. I mean, Pixar does good stuff. They Shout do, out do to Pixar. Stuff. Shout out to Pixar. You know what? It's it's a good point. Like it has to be watchable. If it's watchable, it's not. It can't be bad, right? Yeah, but you can't watch like, I mean, I I can watch The Godfather every night, but most people can't, right? right? Like you, it's kind of intense. And whereas Ratatouille is not intense, but it, I mean, it's still got a great plot. Uh, you know, they make you care about that little mouse. Or a rat, I guess. He's not a mouse. He's a rat. God. <laughs> it's okay. We're both off tonight. It's fine. Actually, you're way more on than I am. Um, 
Yeah, man, I don't know. I, I I totally lost my train of thought. I was gonna say I only saw that movie one time in the theater, so maybe oh, I should go good. revisit should it, it again. again. Watch it with your wife. She'll she'll be happy to watch it. I may have seen it with her the first time. I'm not sure. I hope I hope so. How long have you been married? Nope. If it came out ten years ago, then no, not quite. We've been married for three years. Been together oh, okay. for nine. So just just prior oh. to her. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. Yeah, it's a long-term well, relationship. It, it, <laughs> <laughs> so plug your stuff and tell everybody where they can find you every day of the week on podcast. Uh, yeah, so uh, my podcast is called On the NBA with Coach Dave. Um, you can find it anywhere you listen to podcasts. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Coach Dave Dufour, D-U and the number four. I, I should pop up when you type in Coach Dave. Um, I, I think I'm now the, the top Coach Dave on Twitter. I, there's only like two of us. Um and I actually record my podcast and I broadcast it live on Periscope while I'm recording. So if you like interaction, and you like to ask questions and stuff like that, hop in, follow me on Periscope so you get an alert when I go live. And, uh, you know, that's my favorite thing right now is is interacting with people through the chat. And um, it's a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, uh, I'm. We, we're doing the b-ball breakdown show of course we're you know top 200 on itunes sports and recreation so that's easy to find um and i'm doing that you know four or five days a week so yeah i'm all over the place i'm easy to find awesome man well thanks again for coming on and uh yeah maybe i'll talk to you again soon hopefully yeah it's yeah let's let's do it again soon all right friends that's gonna do it for me for the week i'll talk to you guys again next week bye-bye